Sagemont Church is a gathering of Christian believers in the southeast area of Houston, Texas. Today's message is from our senior pastor, Dr. John Morgan. Well, we have so much to praise the Lord for. Amen? How good it is to just listen and know that God is being glorified and we are being blessed. And we want to welcome you to Sagemont today, and I want to welcome those that join us all over the world from, via the Internet. Uh, we are gathered here in Sagemont Church in Houston, Texas, in a beautiful debt-free facility that our Lord has provided to His glory and for our enjoyment and privilege to be blessed in this place. And we hope that all of you that are here today will go away knowing that God has spoken to your heart. We are fully aware that there are people from every background here. We are so concerned that you really understand the opportunity that you have today to have a brand new start. That old things can pass away and be forgotten and forgiven and a new day begins and you can go from this point with God. May the Lord bless you. We hope that you'll take time to fill out the commitment card where you are, uh, or it's called a connection card, because we want you to connect with God if you don't know Him as personal Savior. We want you to connect with our church if you know the Lord but you don't have a church home. We want you to connect with a place of service if you don't have a place to serve, and it's already been mentioned to you about the need here. I can tell you there's a need for 50 more ushers in our services on Sunday morning. And I hope you'll just go your way not thinking about how I can come back and receive a blessing, but how you can come back and receive a blessing and be a blessing at the same time. And there are many other places of service. That's what a church is all about to get us involved in what God is doing on planet Earth. And we know that we have some part in that that God is doing. So welcome. God bless you. Those that listen on the radio, we want to welcome you. And in a moment, we're going to stand for the reading of God's Word. I'll read to you one of the most familiar chapters uh, in the Scripture. There are many verses in this chapter that you will recall if you've been exposed to the Scripture. But I want you to very carefully listen to what the Lord has put on my heart to share with you today. As we go through these days of celebration, looking forward to early September when everything will be in place in the building and we will come and literally and formally dedicate it to the Lord, but we're trying to make sure that all of us know what this is all about and that everybody here know whether you are a believer or you're not, whether you've been born again or where you have not. Where every one of you understand there's a place for your spiritual gift to be used to the glory of God right here in Houston and then to take it to the uttermost parts of the earth. So today I want you to listen to the message with an open heart and hear what God has to say 
to all of us as we gather in his name. Would you stand for the reading of God's word out of respect? These are not the words of a man. These are the words of God that he gave to men to write that we could be blessed by the hearing of the word of God. Now listen, I want to read to you 21 verses from the third chapter of John. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night, and he said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot enter or he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, You must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is every one that's born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? And Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, We speak that we do know, and testify that we have seen, and you receive not our witness. If I've told you earthly things, and you believe not, how can you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And no man has ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Listen carefully to the next verse. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is a condemnation. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. May God bless his holy word, and you may be seated. I'm entitling the message, How Can These Things Be? I want to start, as I often do, with asking you a question. Here is the question. How well do you handle truth? Now, let me ask the question again. How well do you handle truth? Let me give you some examples. If somebody comes up to you and says, you make me sick, how well do you handle that? If somebody comes up to you and says, you look like you're getting older, how do you handle that? If the doctor says to you, you have a very serious disease, 
How do you handle that? How do you handle a mate coming up to you and says, I've got a lawyer, I'm leaving you. How do you handle it? How about you're fired? I've just read to us a lot of truth. In the midst of all of that truth, I read you a sentence. It says, you must be born again or you cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, how can you handle that? How do you handle that? Now, now hold on a minute. How do you handle that? Well, I'm a Baptist. I'm a Catholic. I'll just have you to know I'm a Church of Christ. Is that the way you handle that? Or do you deal with the issue of have you ever been born again? Not that the priest told you or the pastor told you or the rabbi told you, but on the authority of God's holy word, you can know that you know that you know that you are a child of God because there was a day in your life when you experienced what the Bible calls a new birth. Old things passed away and all things became new. Let me tell you what Jesus said in John chapter 7, verse 7. He said, the world hates me because I tell them the truth. See, Jesus is truth. The world is out to deceive you, and even the religious world can deceive you if you don't know the Word of God. Whatever you believe about salvation, you need to be able to find your authority in the Holy Word of God. The Bible says it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. The Bible tells you the truth is that people that give are happy and those that don't are not. Are you a giver? If you are employed by someone, do you give your company more than they pay for? If you employ other people, do you, do you reward your employees when they go that second and third mile? When you go out into the world and you look around and say, well, how about in my family? Do you do more in your family than is required of you? Do children do more for their parents than is required of them? Well, I'll obey you just because you tell me. Do we go the second and the third mile in our marriages and in our relationships? That's the question. The Bible says it's more blessed to give than it's received. That happens in any area you want to talk about. But in our attempt to reach the world, and that's a worthy goal, by the way, to reach the world, if we're trying to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we want to see the world born again, and we want to see them saved, but in our attempt to reach the world, if we are not careful, it is easy to ignore the holiness of God. Be ye holy, even as I am holy. We have to ask ourselves a question. I'm born again. Are you a holy person? Do you realize the importance of having a holy moment in a worship service? Do you have any concept of what that is as opposed to no churches where you go and sit and you either get blessed or you don't get blessed? And you sort of grade it on a 1 to 10 and you go home and give it a rating. Or do you say, I recognize holiness. 
and I recognize worldliness. When these men met God and were confronted with his holiness, a dramatic change took place in their life. The first one is Job. In Job 42, 6, I, he said, I abhor myself and I repent in dust and ashes. The prophet Isaiah said, Woe is me, for I am undone, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. That is the sixth chapter of Isaiah and the fifth verse. John, in Revelation 1, 17, it says, When I saw him, when I saw God, I fell at his feet as dead. Let me ask you a question. What happened the day you met God? Let me ask you again, have you ever met God? Do you know who God is? Do you understand he's just not a philosopher? He's not a person that just puts out a bunch of laws and says, obey, obey these and things are going to turn out all right. If you don't obey them, mm -mm, it's not going to be good. Jesus came to save sinners. That's the truth. No, Jesus did not come to set an example for you. I'm sorry, he came to save sinners. 1 Timothy 1.15, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And Paul, who wrote it, said, for whom I am chief. You read about Paul's life. From the moment that he met God on that road to Damascus, you find out if his life changed. You read the documents, you read the Bible, you read other accounts. Paul's life dramatically changed one day when he met Jesus Christ, and he was never the same again. He didn't just get a little dab of religion. He got a brand new life. He did not change a few things and cut down on a few things. His whole life died. At one time he said, it's better for me to go on. It's better for you that I stay around and tell you the truth. Because some of you are going to die in your sin because you just will not accept the truth. You believe that some religious person will tell you the truth when it's in direct contradiction to what God said. And you're going to go with a religious person. Let me tell you something. Your religious leader did not die for your sin. Your religious leader did not get buried in a barred tomb and three days later rise from the grave and 40 days after that ascend. And he is not coming back to this earth again to rapture you. But God is. And God says, here's the rules. Here's the way. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Look back at, with me at the Gospel of John in that sick, second chapter, just above the third. Look at the last three verses. Now, when Jesus was in Jerusalem at the Passover in the feast day, many believed in his name when they saw the miracles which he did. But Jesus did not commit himself unto them because, listen, he knew all men. And he needed not that any should testify of man because he knew what was in man. Now that story I just read to you was a Ph.D. in theology. Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He was a ruler. He was a chief among the religious people. But some way, somehow, in all of his education, nobody told him what Jesus told him that day. Nicodemus, you must be born again. I don't care what school you graduated from. I don't care where you go to church. I don't care which synagogue you enter. You must be born again. Notice he says he knew 
He knew what was in man. I asked you in my opening question, you know what's in, in you? Do you know why you believe what you believe? I hope so. Because it is imperative that you know. Because one day, we're going to see the Lord. So I'm going to share two or three things with you real quickly. First of all, I want to tell you there's a faith that doesn't save. There is a faith. You say, I'm a person of faith. In what? It's better to have a little faith in thick ice than, it have, and than to have a lot of faith in thin ice if you ever go ice skating. Just remember your pastor told you. <laughs> it is not how much faith you have. It is what is your faith in. Is your faith in your religion? Is it in your denomination? Is it in somebody that you respect? Or is your faith built on the solid rock that we sang about this morning? His name is Jesus. He is truth. He not only tells truth, he is the truth. He said, you must be born again. People say, well, you think the Catholics are going to go to heaven? You think the Methodists are going to go to heaven? You think the Baptists are going to go to heaven? God doesn't care what your label is. The saved are going to go to heaven. Well, who are the saved? Whose role are they on up there? How did they get there? I'm glad you asked. I'll get there in just a second. Listen to Hebrews eleven six, But without faith, it is impossible to please him, God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Do you see the difference, folks? Man has taken genuine faith from the Scripture and turned it into a religion that has made them benefit from that religion rather than enjoy a new life in Jesus Christ. Nicodemus thought he was okay, but he was living a messed up life. If Nicodemus would have died the day before he came to Jesus, he would have spent eternity separated from God, and that's what God told him when he came to Jesus Christ. Jesus told Nicodemus in that third chapter, verse 11, Verily, verily, I say unto you, big shot religious man, I say this unto you, though even though you go to the synagogue every Sunday, even though you say there's, that you believe in God, here's what I'm going to say unto you. We speak because we do know, and we testify what we have seen, and you receive not our witness. What he says is you choose that you will live and die by your own ideas about what it takes to be saved. Boy, that's strong, folks. See, God's eyes go to and fro looking for people that will accept truth. He says, if you know the truth, obey the truth, you will live a life of freedom. You will not go on a guilt trip because you have been born again and you know who your father is because you know him through the Lord Jesus Christ. I remind you one other time, Nicodemus believed in Jesus. Hear me, folks. Hear me. Please hear me. The devil believes in Jesus. The devil believes in God. The devil believes this book is the Word of God, and it scares him to death, and he'll get the governments of the world to take it out of the schools and everywhere else because there's power in the Word. That's all true. But you can know this Bible and quote it from memory and not be born again. You can speak and give 
and write a doctoral dissertation on who God is, and you still don't know God unless you've been born again. You must come into the family of God. I'll tell you one other time. He was a Pharisee. He was a ruler of the Jews. He sat in the circles of the elite spiritually, but he had never been born again. Matthew 7, 22. Listen to these words. Many will say to me in that day, what day is that? The judgment day. Many will say to me that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not in your name cast out devils? And in your name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. That's strong, folks. That's strong as 16 miles of garlic. I'm going to just get right down where you can think, all right? He says, all you religious talkers and all you religious doers and all you religious folks that go about with your religion on your sleeve ready to pick a fight with anybody that disagrees with you about something, you better be born again. That's what he told him. Nicodemus realized he wasn't born again. That's the reason he came over there that night. He said, I met somebody that their whole life changed. I've often wondered people that say I've been a Christian for 30 years, but they never changed in 30 years. They meet somebody that's gotten born again, like here at Sage My Church, and I can just go around, I can just go right down the aisle and just start pointing to them. And every one of them stand up with the same testimony. Once I was in darkness, and now I'm walking in the light. One time I was on my way to hell, and just like that, while well, I say, well, I think I am, I hope I am, I believe I am. I'm better at those folks down there at the church. The question is, have you ever been born again? Now, you want me to shock you with some facts? One half the people say they're Christian, never go to church. One half the people that are members of Sage Mount Church do not give five cents to the mission ministries or any other ministry of this church. One half of the members of this church give nothing. You could take everything that they've given in the last 10 years and not buy yourself a cup of Starbucks coffee. But they'll fight you over their theology in a heartbeat. One half don't even believe this Bible. One half of Christians don't believe this Bible. These are recent surveys. And by the way, they're all turned out the same. It doesn't matter. You say, well, well I know somebody took that, but I go by somebody else's survey. All the surveys are the same. One half of them claim to be born again. They half, half claim to be born again. That may be right. The half that are born again, lives have changed. The other half are just going through religious works. That may be a verifiable statistic. But the lifestyles are similar. Can you believe how many people today believe that cults are okay and you can be a member of a cult and if you believe in Jesus, you are just like people that have been born again. Now that's the world, folks. But Jesus said you must be born again whether you're a Baptist or a Mormon or a Catholic or a Jehovah Witness or you name it. And when you are born again, old things pass away and all things become new. You hunger for the Word of God and it's not long before your life starts showing it. And you sort it out. Somebody doesn't sort it out for you. You must be born again. Now those statistics are terrible. But I'll tell you something that's worse. Many are deceived because of our churches. Did you hear what I said? Many are deceived because of our churches. Because our churches have learned the way you fill every seat is entertain them. 
The way you fill every seat is saying everybody's on the same road going up the same mountain. Just come go up the mountain with us. Just come down any road and we're all going to meet the Lord one day. We will all meet the Lord one day. That's Hebrews 9, 27. It is appointed unto man once to die. You believe that? You'd believe that. You're going to die. You really believe that? Okay. That same verse says, and after that, the judgment. Oh, I don't believe that part. I just don't believe there's going to be any judgment. It's just this is going to be kind of a, 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 a grading on the curve. And after looking around Sagemont here this morning, I see I'm doing pretty good. Based on the folks I recognize, you must be born again. We have, churches have chosen to refuse to teach people to repent. They do not preach repentance any longer. But listen what the scripture says. Acts 17, 30. At the times of this ignorance, God winked at, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. Luke 13 and 3. I tell you, no, but except you repent, you'll all likewise perish. Go down three more verses. He said, just in case you didn't get it, in verse 3, let me tell it to you again in verse 5. He said, I tell you, no, but except you repent, you'll all likewise perish. There's some things he don't want us to miss. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Won't you know he's holy? Holy, holy, holy. Get it? He is holy. The Hebrews did that over and over and over. Well, either God rules in your life or sin rules in your life. So what's the difference between repentance and just some good religion? Sin is either a fact. Sin is a fact. It's not a defect. Good religion tells you sin is a defect. You need to repair need to come to the repair shop and we'll fix you up. Faith in Jesus Christ is repentance. Sin is a fact. It is not a defect. Either sin dies or God dies in our life. There's no other alternative. And by the way, we sometimes want to give people the answer to the, before we ever give them the problem. Just pray this little prayer right here. If you just pray this little prayer, they need to know what their problem is. You don't just, you, you, first of all, you come up, what is your problem? It's sin. You were born with it. Talk it over with Adam when you get to heaven, all right? You ladies get with Eve and so forth. Just talk it over. Sin was the problem. A pastor friend of mine, I saw him this week in New Orleans, and we had our annual convention he came up with what I thought was a good idea. He took a group of his people down on the local street in his city, and he rented a space on a busy sidewalk when one of these festivals were going on. You know how Houston has all these festivals? Well, he got him a tent. And he took a bunch of people from the church, and they went down there, and they set up the tent, and they put a sign well, first of all, he carried a bunch of candles with him. He wanted to kind of get in the mood, you know, of the, of the festival. So they carried him with candles down there, and they set him up a table under the tent. Then they got him a real big sign where everybody could see it. You ready for the sign? We will tell you your future. <laughs> for free. Another sign said, answer guaranteed. Well, man, people came in this tent. 
said, Dad, look at him right now. I said, look at me right now. Look at me right now. Not any palm reading. Look at me now. Your future does not look good at all. You are headed for an everlasting death. Uh-oh, that got their attention. He said, man, people want to know more right and left. Said, we had to get out behind the tent, start talking to them. Fresh bunch were coming in the tent continually, you know, because they were giving them a guarantee. You want me to tell you your future, whether you give to the offering or not today? We're going to die. And we're going to spend eternity somewhere. And your religious leaders are not going to be by your side defending you, nor is your lawyer, who I hope is a Christian. <laughs> Jesus will be there. The scripture says, I don't leave it to anybody but him. Why? Because he is the way. He is the truth. He is the light. He did die on the cross. He did rise from the grave. He did ascend to the right hand of the Father. And he, uh, he alone will say, Yes, they've been born again, or no, they have not. John 3, 18 says, He that believeth not is condemned already. James 4, 4 says, Whosoever therefore will be a friend of this world is an enemy of God. John 8, 34 says, Whosoever commits sin is a servant of sin. Matthew 8, 12 says, The children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness, and there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Talking about the kingdom of this world. Revelations 20, 13, just before the scripture is closing, it says, as John is writing on the Isle of Patmos, they were judged every man, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire, and this is the second death. Another thing that churches don't preach is hell. Why? You don't want to sit and listen to hell. You don't want to hear about repentance. So many. I just can't handle that. You know why you can't handle it? Because you have not made your peace with God. And you have not been born again. And you do not understand that if you are born again, that you have nothing to fear. No weapon that's formed against you shall prosper, for this is the inheritance of the children of God. It's all in the Scripture. And the God that wrote it speaks you truth. We have nothing to fear but Jesus if we're unprepared to meet him. You're going to have to tell God, I know you sent your only begotten son to die on the cross. I know how they treated him, but I chose to seek my religion somewhere else. And I rejected Jesus as my personal Savior. 1 Corinthians 1.18, you ready for this one? For the preaching of the cross to them that perish is foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. We're dead in sin, and something supernatural must take place for salvation to come. That's called a new birth. Acts 3.19 responds by saying, Repent you, therefore. Acts 17.30, And now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Acts 16.31, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you shall be saved. First, there is a belief in the heart. There's a belief in, their, in the mind, and then there is a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. When he says, repent, and then I want you to be baptized because your sins will be remitted. You don't, understand, you don't say, I don't think I have to be baptized. I don't want to be baptized. I don't want all those people to see me with wet hair. <laughs> you say, where's the baptistry? 
And when is the first one? Next Sunday night, we're going to gather out here at the cross at 7 o'clock. Anybody wants to obey the Lord and be, believer, be scripturally baptized by immersion with believer's baptism, which is the only baptism in the Bible, you are welcome to come. Put it on that Make a Connection card and say, I want to be baptized. I want to know that I know that I have been born again. John 8, 31 has some sobering thoughts. You say, I just wonder if I'm born again. Here's what Jesus said to the Jews that believed on him. They said they did. Here's what he said to them. If you continue in my word, then you're my disciples indeed. What if you don't? I'm talking to hundreds of people a day. You haven't been in a Bible study class and goodness knows when. Your schedule just doesn't allow it. How are you going to know the word? It's more important than to know the word of God. And when you are sitting in a place surrounded by some of the greatest teachers on the planet and you say, but I got more important things to do every Sunday. Listen to that scripture. If you continue in my word, you're my disciples indeed. Do you hunger more for the food physically or do you hunger for the bread of life? That's the question. That's the question. Romans eleven thirty four 34 says, for who has known the mind of the Lord? Philippians 2, 5, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Salvation is not keeping man-made laws, folks. Salvation, two words, and we got to go. Number one, grace, and grace alone saves. G-R-A-C-E, that's all it saves, grace. For by grace are you saved through faith, Ephesians 2, 8. By grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God let not of works, lest any man should boast. Genesis 6, 8, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. John 1, 17, for the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth comes from Jesus Christ. Amen. Folks, this is not something up for debate. It's a matter of whether you're going to believe it or not. That's the reason I want to know, would you believe the truth today? Would you believe the truth? Can you recognize it? Can you see it? Can you look around and see people that have tried to live by their works? Have they not disappointed you? Have you ever seen anybody that's worked for so good you'd thought, you know, I'm going to put my faith in them to get me to heaven? I don't think you have. Romans 3.24 says, Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 5.1, By whom we also have access by faith unto the grace wherewith we stand. And we rejoice in the glory of God. Romans eleven six, and if by grace, then it's no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. And then the second thing is repentance. Repentance. You say, you already said that. I know. But the Bible says it over and over and over again. You know why? Because except you repent, you'll all likewise perish. What does repentance mean? That I'll never sin again? No. But it does mean you'll never enjoy sin again. It also means that you're going to turn away and holiness is going to replace worldliness. God is going to become your God instead of the idols of this world. That's what it's going to mean. You're going to love the things of God more than you love anything, including the Texans and the Astros and the Little League and everything else. You're just going to love God more and they're going to take second place. You say, well, I just can't do that. Well, I understand that's your choice, but I'm telling you, Thou shalt have no other God before me is one of the Ten Commandments. 
Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. It's not up for us to vote on Sunday morning whether we're going to church or not. God has said, this is where I want you. Yes, sir, Father, who sent your only son to die for me. You must have a blessing down there for me. And you must want me to not be involved in some accident if I went on my own way and rebelled against you. So as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. What time does it start? Well, you better get there on time because you might have to stand in the hall for a few minutes. <laughs> Could I tell you with all the love that's in me, I'd rather you stand in the hall of sage month than to stand outside the gates of heaven and the Lord say, why should I let you in? Because you're forever too late when you get to the gates of heaven to say, can another group come in in 10 more minutes? No, sir. Right here is where that'll be decided. Right here. And when you make a decision here, you get a reservation up there. And by the way, your mansion won't be taken. Kind of like your seat. Just, I got to get in. Somebody can get my seat. Don't worry about it when we get to heaven, all right? Just look to Jesus and live. Salvation will cost you everything you have. I'm just being honest with you. But it's worth it. It's worth it all to see Christ. You will make some changes in your life. But you'll say, thank God it did. I, I don't know why I have missed out on what God had planned for me. Well, the world is our mission field. Today, we have a group in Israel. Twelve rockets hit Israel yesterday. I think our folks are okay. I think we would have heard. But twelve rockets hit Israel yesterday. We have a mission team over there. We have another team in Nairobi, Kenya, in the poorest spot on the planet teaching children, 1.5, I believe it's 1.2 million people live in that square mile over there. 6,000 people, groups on the planet, there are no Christians. 3,800 of them never heard the name of Jesus. I want to close by asking you this. You looking for a job? Say, I've, I've, I've tried, I've tried, I can't find a job. I wonder if God might be calling right now a lot of people to just say, I got a job for you. You already heard about job here. You say, but that doesn't pay anything. Got a good retirement program. <laughs> Are you really looking for a job? You trying to find a job? How many applications you fill out this week? I'm looking for the job. Oh, the job. The Lord says, whosoever will, let them come. You know, I could tell you about a lot of people. I don't have time. But, but you'd recognize them as your staff member. One day, God shut the door on their academic, on their career. And God turned them and said, I want you to be executive pastor. I want you to be a mission pastor. I want you to come and follow me. I could take you and show you people all over the world that used to sit in an auditorium. Some of them used to look for a job in Houston. They found a job in Afghanistan or somewhere else in the world carrying the gospel of Jesus Christ. They haven't missed a meal. Hadn't missed a meal. Maybe God's calling you into the ministry. We must seriously consider risking our lives and committing our resources to touch the world. That's the reason our new envelopes have a place every week, every week, where you say, what am I going to do with God's given to me? Look at there where it says missions and benevolences. Every penny of that goes, not to anybody's salary. It all goes to carry the gospel to a world that desperately needs Jesus.
you got to look at it every week. Isaiah 6, 8 said, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Whom will go for us? I'm praying, God, that you'll call out some missionaries from Sagemont. God, I hope you'll speak to those young people. Isaiah said, Here am I, Lord. Send me. Maybe God's telling you to do that. Maybe God wants to send you. I want you to think about your priorities, folks, that you go. I just came back from the biggest pastor's conference in the United States. <clears throat> there was a Starbucks coffee that was right out in front, right at the door. Out in the foyer, go to New Orleans, you'll see it out there. We took up an offering to start a church in New York to, to help ministers or their widows that make less than $200 a month and have served the Lord for 30 years or more and to buy Bibles for the Muslims. That's what we took up an offering for. The Starbucks coffee place more, made more money and took in more money in those two days than that whole offering did with thousands of people there. Now that's where we are, folks. I'm talking about the preachers and the religious leaders of the churches gave more money on their coffee than they did to tell the world about Jesus Christ. Now that's the mess we are in. We need to get down where the water hits the wheel, folks, and say, hey, I understand. I want to know that I know that I know. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. No one looking around. I know this message is very strong. We may not die a martyr's death, but we ought to live a martyr's life. By that I mean, if it means death, so be it. If it means, God, that you're ready for me to come, so be it. But God, I want to be like Isaiah. There's a world out there that number in the billions, and they've never heard about you. I'm looking for a job. I'm looking for something to do. Maybe God's calling you. My dear friend, if you're here this morning, we don't normally do this, but we may be starting to do it this Sunday because I am so concerned that you know that you have that peace that passes all understanding. If you're here this morning, nobody's looking around, please, and I'm asking everyone to just sit still for a moment. If you're here today and you'd say, Pastor, the Holy Spirit is telling me that what you've said today is true. And I need to seriously look at some things in my life. I don't know the Bible that well, even though I've gone to church for a long, long time. But I, I've, you know, I'm glad I do come to church. My, my friends are Christians. But you talked about a new birth, and I don't know whether I've had that or not. And I know I'm going to die. Do you want somebody just to talk to you just for a few moments? Or if you say, well, I do understand all that. I just need to be saved. I never have been saved. I never have joined a church. I never have been baptized. It's my first time I've even been to church in years. That could be the case. But you're here today and you say, I just want to know that I know before I go off this campus that Jesus lives in my life. And I want to be born again. I do thank God for sending his son to die for me. I'm going to ask you to be bold and stand with me wherever you are for just a moment. Just stand with me for just a moment. Would you do that? Just stand up and say, I want to give my heart to Jesus Christ today or I want to know what it means to be saved. Would you just stand right where you are? Also, if you're here today and say, I know that I'm saved. I know I'm born again. But I need a church home. God bless you, my brother. But I need a church home. 
I've been deceived by the church. I've been, I, I've just, I don't understand. I went and it just didn't seem right. Just didn't seem right. But I, I need a family of God. I've got a lot of problems where I need support. And I need to find a church home. I want you to stand. As, as these are standing, I want you to stand as well and say, I need a church home. That's right. Just stand up with me and say, I need a family. I need some people that will take me just like I am. And by the way, we will take you just like you are. That's what our master does. And, that's, and we are part. We're the bride of Christ. That's right, just stand up. Several of you are standing, but I want you to stand for just a moment. If you're here today and you've got something you want to pray about that is real serious, real serious, and you want somebody to pray with you, that's right, just keep on standing. And you want somebody that'll pray with you, that, that you'll take my word for it, these people love you and love God and know the word of God and believe in prayer. And they'll agree with you as, we, as you pray. And you want somebody to pray with you. I want you to just stand with these that are standing. This is our last group to stand, but you want somebody to stand. You know what's going on. God knows what's going on. And you believe this is a safe place for me to hurt. Just stand. God bless you for your boldness. God's going to bless you for what you're doing right now. I promise you. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Whosoever cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. Now, while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I want you to do one other thing. I want you to just make your way to the aisle and go right to the back of one of these chutes right here. Before anybody moves and the devil distracts you, just wherever you are, up in the balcony, just come down and go right out these tunnels, and there's going to be somebody meet you right there. Dr. Skip Smith is over here. And we have someone else to be over here to just go right out that door and they're going to take you to a beautiful lobby of privacy. They're not going to keep you. You're going to set the time. But just slip out right now and go and pray with them, would you? I'm going to take just a minute. We're going to have to dismiss everybody. But I don't want you to be caught in a jam of traffic and get confused by Satan. Just go. Men are there to, and ladies are there to talk with you. And they want to pray with you. God bless you. God bless you. We pray that today's message has brought you to a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. Join us Sundays at 8, 9.30 and 11 a.m. at Sagemont Church in the Worship Auditorium. For more information, check us out at www.sagemontchurch.org.